Welcome back to the SBS Sports Talk Show presented by the Sports Business Society at UVA. I'm Michael Rockless. Got a special guest co-host tonight, Austin Burt, uh, who's along with me. Mike couldn't make it tonight, so uh, we brought in the super sub with Austin. Uh, Austin, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll get right into it. Yeah, hey everybody. Thanks for having me on, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, just a quick background, fourth year in the comm school, uh, big sports fan, um, from New England initially, so Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins, obviously love UVA, but, you know, follow NFL, NBA, um, MLB, and then, you know, golf, tennis as much as I can, but that's kind of my background. Anyway, thanks for having me on, Mike. Good yeah, evening. yeah, we like Austin, big sports betting guy, um, yes, and we- dege- Full degenerate. Yeah, we, we haven't talked about the NBA yet, um, but there was some good news that, or not good news necessarily, but big news that broke today for the first time in what seems like, wow, the NBA is like, you know, this 12-month year sport now, but there's been a little bit of a lull. But that news being that Jimmy Butler's requested a trade from the Timberwolves. Uh, it looks like his top three destinations are the Nets, the Knicks, and the Clippers, with the Clippers in the lead as a team that he wants to go to. Uh, so, awesome. what are your initial reactions, and what do you think are the uh, residual effects that are that are going to take you know, what, what's going to happen to the NBA following this move, assuming that he gets traded before the season starts? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was just exciting to have some NBA news to start off. But to be honest, I was, I would say, shocked might be the right word. Because I knew Jimmy had been a little unhappy, but he's a Tibbs guy. Like, I kind of thought they'd be able to work it out. And I, I knew things hadn't been going well with Wiggins and, and Towns. But I, I thought they'd be able to work it out. So I was surprised he, he requested a trade initially. And then I was shocked when I saw the list of teams. So I think, you know, there had been speculation. The Knicks makes more sense. But there been speculation that maybe he'd go to LA to join the Lakers and play with LeBron, given kind of what they're building over there. But I think the fact that it's the Clippers and the Nets in addition to the Knicks is is pretty shocking. It kind of, I guess it just kind of shows that he's, one, maybe more interested in, in money. And I think on the, the other hand, maybe he has like a specific player in mind that he wants to target up target at, to, to play with in those cities because those all those teams... And the Clippers and Nets in particular are going to have a ton of cap space. So the Clippers and Nets are going to have cap room for two free agents. Now, whether that's Kawhi or Kyrie, who he who has been rumored to actually want to play with Jimmy. Right, they're I, friends. Exactly. I think that was the, the big takeaway for me was that he either has somebody he wants to play with or just wants to get paid as much money as possible. And as a Celtics fan, I'm a little concerned because <laughs> if he goes to the Knicks, I think that, that kind of put some writing on the wall for Kyrie to the Knicks as well, but that was my general reaction. Yeah, yeah, a couple of things uh, you said there that I wanted to touch a little bit further on was, one, the list of teams. Pretty peculiar list. We were sitting in class, actually, when the news broke, and, you know, we just turned to each other, and we, we said, okay, we know the Lakers are one. Eh, they weren't. Uh, we know the Knicks are one, which we got. And then I guess we speculated, and then we saw a report about Miami, yeah. um, who's also eh, not not on there. And then you see the Nets and the Clippers I mean, obviously, big market. That's what he's looking for. And then, um, so, I mean, that would be the thing. He wants to pair himself with the star, whether it is uh, Kyrie or Kawhi. Easy to mix those two names together. Um, You don't really know. Now, if you went to the Knicks, there is the uh, star there already in Porzingis, and you would think Kyrie uh, could go there, you know, from that area originally. But there was one uh, little nugget that broke also a couple hours after the fact that he requested his trade, was that it really was not... Uh, a, a decision driven by Wiggins and Towns as much as it was the contract. So yes. you're looking at a yeah. guy who he's going to want the super max, whatever's available for him. Um, so that's what he wants. I think the Clippers is a pretty interesting spot, but I think what's the most interesting part about this is that he doesn't want to play with LeBron and the Lakers. I, I don't know why. I mean, I thought that was a pretty logical, you know, the Lakers uh, are going to have room to add free agents next year. A lot of people have speculated it's Kawhi. Uh, people have talked about a 
Damian Lillard through a trade or Jimmy yeah. Butler. Um, Clay but the, Thompson. Clay is definitely a guy they'll go after. But, but I mean, why would Jimmy Butler not want to go there? That, to me, is a little bit puzzling. And I think it signals, if he really wants to go to the Clippers, it signals that he's going to be a suitor. Him and the Clippers would be a suitor for Kawhi, which would give the Lakers some competition. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And just to, to add on to that, so Woj tweeted just a few minutes ago that Jimmy actually is most determined to end up with the Clippers. Um, so I think it just kind of adds to what you said that he really wants to be in LA, but didn't even list the Lakers as one of the teams he wants to go to. So I think it just kind of emphasizes that he doesn't want to play with LeBron, wants to be, wants to play with somebody else, which is just kind of uh, surprising. I think um, between Boogie not signing with the Lakers and the Lakers not getting any other marquee free agent this summer, it's just been kind of a, a swing and a miss for them after the LeBron signing. So it's it's kind of a, a surprise to see that these guys don't want to play with LeBron. He was still in his prime and a bunch of young guys. Um, but yeah, it's it was it was shocking news. Um, I think it's gonna it's gonna shake up the NBA pretty pretty substantially. I think it does indicate that like somebody else is going to be on the move, either to the Clippers or to another team and. Uh, it's it's exciting. Yeah, weird for the for the Lakers at this point. Now you know they passed on trading for Paul George, assuming yeah, he'd sign with them in free agency. About, yeah. Didn't didn't do that. Um, it's seemingly passed on Kawhi Leonard for a trade. They yeah. had the assets. Um, you know, maybe the Spurs wanted a star player in return. Lakers didn't have that. Um, even Brandon Ingram does not compare to a DeMar DeRozan in current uh, like instant impact. Um, but you know, thought they. I'm sure that part of their reasoning is why not? Why would we give up the assets when we can get them in free agency? Yep. Who knows if Kawhi wants to play with LeBron? I mean, now the Lakers are, you know, LeBron's there. Um, you know, they're going to have to really hit a home run with one of these guys, and it does not look like a certainty at all. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for. So do we assume Jimmy Butler gets traded before the season starts? You'd have to think so. I mean, if I was going to bet on it, yes. Yeah, okay. I, I think it's more likely than not because if you're the Timberwolves, you're already a young team. You were good with Jimmy. And like Jimmy really helped you win a lot of games, but if you look at the West this year, like what's your? your they're your, not a real contender. What's not, their ceiling? They're, they're, exactly, their ceiling is losing five games to the Warriors exactly. or whoever the number. So, two so that's team. your best case if you keep Jimmy. But if you add like another piece to this young core, I think you could actually make like a substantial difference in like the team's long term trajectory. So I think if I were the GM, I think trading him is a clear move. Um, and so I, I would bet that they are going to trade him. But yeah. with Tibbs, yeah. you never know. Weird. So, yeah, a couple of things. The Bulls, I guess they won that trade, came away yeah. with a move up to get Laurie Markkinen, who looks yeah. pretty good. And they got Zach Levine, who they, they matched, right, his offer from the Kings. And they got Chris Dunn, who, you know, maybe was rounding into form. So good for them. Uh, and then one other team we had discussed we want to throw out there, maybe see if a move makes sense for them, is the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Um, do you think that there's any chance, thinking about the salaries, it would have to be like Valanciunas would be the salary to match, and then you would have to, you know, add in the assets to make it worthwhile for the Timberwolves because, uh, you know, these other teams are going to have assets, you know, to give them. Um, is that a team you think might be worth watching, you know, in the same vein as Kawhi, maybe not super likely to re-sign him, but why not give yourself a shot this year? Yeah, absolutely. So that, I mean, for all the reasons you just said, when I, I saw that he wanted a trade and that they weren't on the list, they popped in my head exactly for the reason of what happened with Kawhi because if you look at the Raptors, they, they already have decided to take the swing this year. They took a swing on a guy who clearly didn't want to be there. Even after he was traded there, he had his uncle leaking that he didn't want to be there at all. But they were ready to take a gamble because it's the Raptors because they don't have that much upside usually. It's hard to get superstars. And so if you're the Raptors and you have, you still have these young assets, you have OG, you have Pascal, and then you, maybe you can make the uh, salaries work. Um, and then add, add some draft picks or whatever it is. Maybe Tibbs wants, I don't know, a good veteran back, whatever it is. I think it's something you have to think about if you really want to go for a championship this year. I understand if you're a Raptors fan and Raptors in general, if you want to hold on to some of those younger guys, whether it's Van Vliet or Siakam or OG, because you can 
you're still a contender this year, I think, at least to get out of the East. I don't think they have a really good shot at beating the Warriors, um, maybe the Rockets, but I think, so I understand if you want to keep those guys and then contend, and then you can sort of build around those guys afterwards, but I think because they're already, they've already decided to take this huge swing this year, I think if you're them, you have to think about it, and it's something that immediately kind of popped into mind. Yeah, and I really like uh, Masai Ujiri. Obviously, he's the guy running the show for them. Uh, was with the Nuggets before when they had some of those good runs uh, with Carmelo Anthony, and then shortly thereafter when he left, and then he came to Toronto. I mean, he's a guy, he's, he's willing to go for it. And I really like the strategy of, you know, and this would fit with, you know, maybe making a move for Jimmy Butler. It's complete speculation on our part. But if you were to go out and get a Jimmy Butler and kind of give up those assets, it's really boom or bust on this year. But what's what's the risk? Because the risk of not going for, you know, the complete home run is, you know, you might be a decent team as they have been, but with no real title aspirations. So why not if you're, you know, at this point, they're pretty far gone. They gave up, you know, DeRozan for a guy who, as you said, didn't want to be there. Maybe they can convince Kawhi Leonard to stay. He says he's open-minded, um, but no, I mean, wouldn't it be interesting if Jimmy Butler and Kawhi, you know, they go to Toronto, maybe they play really well, make a finals, and then they, they co-migrate out to the Clippers. That'd be kind of interesting, yeah. but that's that's another team to keep an eye on as as one we know is uh, prone to making bold moves and, and willing to go uh, get stuff, do stuff to get a star player. All right, one more quick NBA nugget before we move on to the NFL. Um, Space Jam, Space Jam 2, the sequel's coming out. Does this make LeBron James uh, on the same level as Michael Jordan? Uh, no. No, okay. I, I think he's actually going the opposite direction. Oh, no. I love LeBron, <laughs> but it's, it's another Hollywood move. He's he's clearly not focused on basketball. No. No. Okay, that's, that's tough. Well, I mean, now he's on, you know, that's the pedestal. It like, is. I, you have the movie, but... No. I mean, pretty cool. That was announced today, if, if you didn't see that. All right, let's move on to week two, uh, or the NFL. We'll start with a little uh, week two uh, recap. Uh, some of the big games, both of the uh, teams that were in the Super Bowl last year, uh, the Eagles and the Patriots, lost road games in the state of Florida. That was pretty big. Patty Mahomes, uh, the Patty Mahomes train continued to roll, had a weird tie in Green Bay against with Packers against the Vikings. Um, Saints narrowly escaped the Browns, just kind of running through all this stuff. Cowboys kept their season alive, beating the Giants at home on Sunday Night Football. What was one of your biggest takeaways uh, from last week? Yeah, so I think you have to start in, with Kansas City and the Chiefs. And I think everybody had been excited about them after they beat the Chargers Week 1, and there had been some hype kind of coming into the season. But I think for me, like I had been excited about what Mahomes did against the Chargers, but the Chargers D was a little banged up. No Bosa. No Bosa. Um, and uh, no, so Hayward's there, but Verrett's out for the year. Um, but Hayward was also a little banged up. So I think going in there and seeing him do it again, like the Steelers defense is obviously tailorable, and we can talk with them a little bit as well. But I think seeing Mahomes go on the road and win a game against a good team and perform as well as he did, it's just kind of cementing how good he looks like he's going to be. And I think for the rest of the AFC, you have to be scared of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they look like a legit contender. I think I was personally a little skeptical of them. But it looks like Andy Reid has done pulled a fantastic move to trade Alex Smith and, and bring in Mahomes, who looks fantastic, just kind of cementing his, you know, his upside again, always playing. Yeah, a couple of things on the Chiefs because I think right now they might be you know one of the most compelling teams in the uh, in the NFL because we've seen the Chiefs before get off to really hot starts. I think Andy Reid's first year there they were nine and zero, and then last year they were the last undefeated team. Um, and they beat the the Patriots early on in the season. They beat the Eagles early on in the season before everyone knew the Eagles were good. But they never really had that staying power. They're never really that threat in the playoffs. And it seems like with Patrick Mahomes they're going to be that team. And then also you think about 
not only did they start the season beating the Chargers and the Steelers, but they also beat both of those teams on the road. So now, you know, we looked at, at week three. I don't know the their immediate schedule coming up. Uh, we can check on it real quick. But, you know, they play San Francisco at home. And then they, uh, you know, and then there's still, you know, there's still some good teams on there. They play the Jaguars and Patriots in back-to-back weeks. But just the fact of starting the season off 2-0 and on the road against two teams that even if they're not in the playoffs, everyone expected to be in the playoffs. I mean, that's a phenomenal start for them. And now, you know, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Um, and, you know, there's probably a lot of parallels you could make. Um, maybe not a perfect one, but is he, you know, what we're going to see out of him this year is that basically what we saw last year from Carson Wentz, who became, you know, second-year quarterback, who basically elevated himself into the elite conversation uh, and would, would have been the MVP if he never got injured. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good comparison. I, I think if Mahomes keeps playing the way he is, then you have to put him in the MVP conversation. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, he has to be in there, which is exactly where Wentz was last year before he got hurt. I think Wentz is a little different. I think Wentz is a little better athlete. Um, I think... The, the arm for Mahomes. No, I mean, just, both, both I, of their arms I, in, are insane. In, ter- in terms of scrambling yeah. and quickness, look, obviously, like, Mahomes is... He has an amazing arm, and he is athletic. It's not like yeah. he's a stiff. Um, so I think they're they're a little different. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think... I think it's a great uh, comparison, both in their second years. Wentz obviously played his first year. Yep. But I think if Mahomes keeps it up, he has to be in the MVP conversation. And if you're a Chiefs fan, you've got to be thrilled with everything other than the defense. If you can get anybody on defense that can make plays, I think that team is an immediate, like, not favorite for the Super Bowl, but one of the, the top contenders if they are not already. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, so let's... Well, let's talk. We'll we'll go from. Uh, we'll, I want to talk about the Eagles coming up, but let's stay with that game and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who dropped to 0-1 and one, lost the home game um, to the Chiefs this week, and tied the Browns in Cleveland in Week One. A lot of locker room dysfunction coming out. Antonio Brown is tweeting at some guy, you know, why don't you trade me to find out if if I'd be good with another quarterback? Le'Veon Bell obviously still not showing up. Huge game, and I guess all this stuff inter- intertwines. Only 32 teams in the league, but the Steelers are playing the team that did just beat the Eagles, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in Tampa Monday Night Football this week, and ESPN somehow gets this really exciting game for Monday night. Um, but, I mean, the alarm bell's got to be sounding off in Pittsburgh, right? Like, Mike Tomlin's job might be on the line here. There's a lot of things going on. Uh, I mean, what do they? What can they do to turn it around? And this is pretty much a must-win for them on Monday night, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're a Steelers fan, Break out the panic button, start smashing for the it. first time in years. I yes. mean, they've been five hundred or better in, in the playoffs for forever now. For the first time, yeah, absolutely. I I'll actually say a few things to kind of reel that to reel that in. One, um, obviously, they don't have Le'Veon, and there's been a lot of dysfunction, which hopefully should smooth out eventually. And two, look, the Chiefs are really, really good, and Pat Mahomes is really good, and I think they're going to be either the one or the two seed in the AFC probably. And then the Browns game, like they clearly should have won. I think they. They outgained the Browns by two, a little over two yards per play. Yeah. They had some of the worst turnover luck. Now, like, that yeah. was some of their own fault. James Conner fumbling. Yeah, and, but, yeah. I mean, those five turnovers, like, that's almost never going to happen. So they should have won that game. And then, and then, to be fair to Big Ben and the offense, like, they were fantastic against the Chiefs. And they had a shot to win that game. So yeah. before we completely crush them, I want to say that, like, there are some reasons to hold back. That being said, if you if you start off the season 0-2-1, and I, I think your, I mean, your, your odds of making the playoffs drop significantly, you're... You're, uh, huge. I, I think it's pretty unlikely. It's very unlikely you're going to win the division. And really, long term, you can talk about the Le'Veon stuff and the unhappiness, but I think James Conner's fine with that offensive line. And then with Big Ben playing like roughly as well as he did last year, that offense is going to be fine. But that defense is a disaster. They've been a disaster since Shazier went out last year. They haven't been able to find anybody to really shore up that secondary. They've taken some guys between Artie Burns and Sean Davis, who have been 
okay, but they haven't really been able to shore it up. And there's really a hole in the middle of that defense without Shazier. And I don't see how they're going to be able to fix that in the foreseeable future, um, especially with Tomlin, who is not the best X's nose guy. So I, I'd be really concerned if I were the Steelers about that defense. And for as much as they need that game, I think Fitzpatrick's going to light them up. Yeah, I, I definitely can see it. I mean, you think about the Steelers going back to last season. I mean, they gave up like, what, 49 points to the Jaguars in that playoff game yeah. at home. Um, and then we're, we're talking about, you know, now, if, if they were to lose to Tampa Bay uh, this week, you're talking about not right. Like I said, not only is it an 0-2-1 start, but it's a tie against the Browns, a yeah. home loss, whether it's against the Chiefs or right. not, it's still a home loss. Yeah. And then you're talking about a loss to Tampa. I mean, yeah, those are some of your easier games, a home game and then a game, you know, games against the Browns and Bucks um, or some of your easiest games coming into the season. And, and at the moment, I mean, it. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, this game's almost a pick I mean, they, who knows who's going to win? So they're, they're in a little bit of a hole. All right, so let's stay in Pennsylvania uh, with the other team from that state, the Philadelphia Eagles, defending champs, lost at Tampa Bay in what is likely Nick Foles' last start of the season. Uh, Carson Wentz will be back on Sunday for the Eagles. Um, do you have a takeaway from that game? Should the Eagles be worried? Um, or is it like the, the Bucks are really good? I don't know. Yeah, I think, honestly, I lean more on the... The Bucks are just playing really well. I'm not going to say well. they're really good. Okay, but I think, fair. Like if quarterbacks in the NFL can get hot, especially guys like Fitzpatrick with the weapons they have. With, I mean, with insane weapons, weapons. and it is a given of of all. T- I mean, death taxes into Sean Jackson torching the Eagles are the three certainties in life, and we saw that play out yeah. on literally the first snap of the game. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson had that huge play. OJ Howard had the huge touchdowns. So there was a lot of kind of big play stuff, and like explosiveness is obviously important, but it's not always that repeatable. I think so. I think it's really the Bucks are just on this amazing hot streak, and Fitzmagic is just carrying them. So for the Eagles, I think you may, maybe should be a little bit concerned, but I wouldn't be that worried personally as an Eagles fan because they did claw back in that game. They were down, I think, 27-7. 27-7, and they, they clawed back and made it pretty were, close. They were a stop away from having an opportunity to drive down the field and win the, the football game. game. Yeah. With their backup quarterback, right. with, I think, a pretty good amount of injury trouble. A lot um, of injury trouble. A lot of injuries. And so I think if you're the Eagles moving forward, I'm not that worried about it. Um, I think, obviously, it's a big game for them this week with Carson Wentz coming back. But, I mean, you and I have talked about this. I think that division looks really bad. Yeah, yeah especially with the, the Giants, Redskins. Yeah. The Redskins, like, Losing laid a complete home. egg yeah. to the Colts, who played well, but laid an egg. Yeah. And then the Cowboys, like, they beat the Giants. But, yeah. okay, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, I think, you know, obviously chime in on this. But if I were an Eagles fan, I wouldn't be that concerned. Yeah, I think the, uh, the concern for the Eagles, I, I mean – I, it's hard to say because I think for a team in like them in the NFC, uh, if they're going to win win the NFC and go back to the Super Bowl, I think home field advantage is going to be crucial. And it's it's tough to drop a game early in the season. Yeah, you hate true. losing one to like a Tampa Bay who you weren't expecting you know to lose to going in, whether it was Nick Foles or Carson Wentz. Uh, but the big issue for them right now is you know they had a lot of injury trouble last year. Um, you know, obviously, like Carson Wentz was injured at the end. Jason Peters, who's a Hall of Fame left tackle, was injured. A couple guys, Sproles, who's hurt now and was hurt then. Jordan Hicks was injured, middle linebacker. So they had a lot of injury trouble. But this, they have some really bad injury trouble right now, which I think is a really big issue for them. And it was the complete opposite of what it was last year, where they didn't miss like any games from Alshon Jeffrey or Torrey Smith um, or any of these receivers. And now Alshon's been out the first couple weeks. Uh, Mike Wallace broke his leg and is on IR. Uh, Sproles has been injured. I mean, there's a lot of injuries, and it's it's like you think back to Carson Wentz's rookie year. The Eagles just re-signed Jordan Matthews and are kicking Nelson Aguilar back outside. There were no we- no one's open. There's no weapons there. I mean, you still have Zach Ertz, obviously, but the issue for them is if these guys aren't getting open, it's, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Now, obviously, Carson Wentz is a huge upgrade over Nick Foles, 
but it doesn't matter who your quarterback is like these guys aren't getting open and you're going to struggle and you know they're they're at a point now where you know they're one and one which is probably pretty good considering Nick Foles started both both games and they played yeah, you know the Falcons definitely. and the Bucks who both looked you know like above average teams or at least you know the Bucks <laughs> played like above average team um but no I mean they, they should be able to win this game at home against the Colts but I I think they they really need some of these guys like particularly Alshon Jeffrey to get back yeah no absolutely I think your point about home field advantage is a good one I think what you have to think about is depends if you who you end up playing on the road in say the NFC Championship game. So like if you're the two seed and you end up playing in LA, I'd be less concerned about that than going to have to play maybe the Minnesota. Packers in Lambeau or mm-hmm. Minnesota in yeah. that dome just because the LA crowd. You guys enough. There's more Eagles fans. Yeah. Uh, that would um, be at that game anyways. But so I I wouldn't. So I think it, it sort of depends on who you play. But I think it's a good point for a team that that played really well at home last year. Um, but yeah, I, I I think there is some cause for concern in the short term, but I think Alshon should be back. A couple weeks. Obviously, Carson is coming back, and then hopefully should be you know into, into form quickly. Yeah. I think for the long term, the team looks good. Now, having to go on the road to Minnesota, maybe maybe back-to-back have to play at Green Bay one week, and then not likely, because yeah. I think they're going to win the division, so yeah. they'll get a right, home they'll get run. Right, they'll get run, yeah. You want um, the bye, obviously. And... Right, you want the bye, but I think... I think they're going to be fine for the long yeah. term. Yeah, I think they win the division. I don't see... I, I thought the Redskins might have been a threat. Um, yeah. and then they just really did not look the part on Sunday against the, uh, against the Colts. Um, but you know, the big thing for them is their defense saw it on Sunday, really, really not that good on the road, really excellent at home. Yeah. Uh, so I expect them to, to win this week. Um, but no, it'd be something to monitor, see if Wentz is really, truly going to play like he did last year, or if that's going to take a couple weeks throughout, or maybe, maybe he doesn't get there at all, you know, this whole season. So that'll be something to watch for them, but they're still by far the best team in that division. Uh, I think as it stands in week two. So let's talk about one more game from week one. That would be the new England yeah. Patriots, uh, at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I have to say the game was basically a pick em, but I have to say the Jaguars at home, they look, and it's week two, Patriots always drop, drop one in September. Jaguars kind of look like the team to beat in the AFC. I mean, they really did. I, what were your thoughts in the game? I mean, you're watching it a little bit differently than I am uh, as a Pats fan, but I mean, the Jaguars really looked apart uh, and dominated the Patriots the whole day. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're going to have a takeaway from this game, I think it's a positive one on the Jaguars rather than a negative one on the Patriots. Like, I'm obviously biased as a Patriots fan, but I think we've all seen for the past four years, especially the Patriots lose in September. People write them off when they lost by 30 to the Chiefs on Monday night. People said it was dead. They come back, they win the Super Bowl, they get a lot better. They play the best football in December, January, February. So I'm not that worried about the Patriots. Honestly, coming into the game, I was not confident at all. I, I didn't like, I hated the spot. I, in terms of revenge, having to go on the road. I this, like the Jags can say whatever they want. They said it was just another game. It was not another game. No, it was their Super Bowl. It was their Super Bowl for for that defense, for guys who were that emotional, and for you know a guy like Blake Bortles who really wants to be able to prove himself. I think it was a huge game for them. And so, as a Patriots fan, I'm personally not that concerned about the loss. But I think you're right. And the takeaway is that the Jags look legit again. I think. A lot of people, myself included, kind of assumed there'd be a little aggression from the Jags because... Both of us, yeah. Yeah, because they got a little lucky last year in terms of Deshaun Watson was out, Andrew Luck was out, um, and so their their division wasn't that hard, and then they didn't have any injuries, really, on that defense. And so I think a a lot of people, us included, expected some regression, but they look as mean as ever. That defense looks just as good as last year. Borders looks better. Borders looks great. He he looked very good against Pittsburgh, and I thought he played pretty well against New England for the most part, and so he's really continued that. And so if, if you're the Jaguars, you got to be super excited. They brought in Andrew Norwell, Norwell from the Panthers, who was at guard, at, at a guard who's phenomenal. He's one of the best guards in the league, and he, he looks great. And so they, they shored up uh, an, another position on offense without really losing that much. They lost 
um, a little bit in terms of um, pass catching. But overall, the the team looks really good, and I, I'd be really positive if I was a Jaguar. So that's my takeaway. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the last point on this is the Patriots are pretty much favored in every game they play. Yeah. And you look at their oh. schedule, and it's you know there's there's going to be you know one one there's several games that you they're just going to have to lose games, right? So even if they're not like a big underdog in that game, you got to look at their schedule. I'm like we know they're not winning 16 games this year. This game was as good as any as, a, as a, of a bet for them to lose one, and that's yeah, just absolutely. how it played out in September. Yeah, you know, not not a big worry uh, for the Patriots there. Uh, you know, and, and also you know, Bill Belichick probably thinking ahead is like, I have their number in the playoffs when I needed it. Like yeah. the Jaguars didn't move the ball at all in the second half of the AFC Championship game last yep. year. Um, I, why why would I give away you know something huge here now? But we I think the big worry is, and it's so early in the season, but we're talking about home field advantage for the Eagles. You know, yeah, we're talking about definitely. teams we assume to be in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think New England wants to play a game in, in Jacksonville. No, and, I mean it won't no. be as hot as it was obviously in January as it was in you know September, but that does not seem like a friendly place for them to play. I'm actually going to take it a different way. I think it's worse in terms of maybe having to go to Arrowhead. I think that I, that's a pretty ruckus crowd too. I, I would really, I think it's going to, it would be a much bigger difference from the Chiefs having to go to New England. A rookie QB has to play in Foxborough in the cold in January as opposed to playing in Jacksonville versus New England because I think the Jags are, I mean, they're a young team, but they travel well. That defense is really good. They can run the ball. And so obviously you'd prefer a game to be in Foxborough. The Pats yeah. are, are fantastic. I'd be much more worried about having to play the Chiefs in, in Arrowhead in terms of a difference between yeah. on the road and and uh, at home. But I think one thing I also want, a couple of things I wanted to add, really, Patriots did not have right tackle Marcus Cannon for this game, who has been really good, and he, he'll come back. And so you know, ha- missing your right tackle against that front doesn't help. And then they're also going to get Edelman back. They just added Josh Gordon. So I yeah. think generally... Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. The, but. the, the trajectory is yeah. up for the Patriots. Yeah. So um, I'm not that concerned as a Patriots yeah. fan, but yeah. for those reasons. Well, keeping in mind, um, they, they play Green Bay at home, Minnesota at home, yeah. and they play at Chicago, who I think on the road... I think Chicago, Chicago at home is going to be a really difficult uh, game for anyone who has to go in there. Yeah. I mean, gun to your head right now. They're already a game behind the Chiefs and the Jaguars, and throwing the Chargers as a competitor. I mean, who do you think are who do you, which two teams are getting the buy in the AFC? Look, gun to my head, I'm always going to bet the Patriots okay. to get a buy in the AFC because I I think you know you, you just don't bet against Belichick yeah. and Brady, especially when Brady still looks good. And I think one thing on the Chiefs is. Look, Mahomes looks fantastic, but the Chiefs also looked fantastic last year. Right. No no tape on Mahomes, bad defense. No tape on Mahomes, bad defense. And it's honestly kind of a characteristic of Andy Reid teams. They start off hot, yeah. and then they fade towards the end of the year. So I'm still waiting to see if that's going to happen. Okay. And even though I'm really excited about the Chiefs and they look great, I would still bet on, on New England to get a bye. And between KC and Jacksonville, I think I might actually bet on Jacksonville. Okay. So you're – okay, that's fair. I, I would think – I would say the Patriots are still probably most likely to get a bye, yeah. and then you're looking and do, at and, and Jacksonville. B- between the six other. games against Buffalo, New York, Ish. and Miami, yikes! Yeah, they, they might drop one, but yeah, those are those are freebies that no one else is, is seeing. All right, so let's move on into Week Three. Uh, we'll just go through some of the big games here. We've touched on a fair amount of them already, uh, so we'll spare you some more Eagles Carson Wentz <laughs> talk. Uh, let's start with the I think one of the biggest games of the early season so far. You're looking at a pair of one-and-one teams in the NFC South, uh, one of the NFL's most interesting divisions. The New Orleans Saints are going to Atlanta. New Orleans uh, obviously lost the home game to the Buccaneers in Week 1, which was one of the biggest shockers of the early season. And then they eked out a home game thanks to Zane Gonzalez's you know, bad kicking and his injury. They eked out a home win in week two over the Cleveland Browns. Um, Atlanta beat the Panthers at home by a touchdown. Game one kind of down to the wire, but they were ahead the whole time. 
This is a big game. I mean, this is yeah, a huge, huge, huge game for two teams that obviously have Super Bowl aspirations, two teams that have been in the, both in the playoffs last year. Um, so I'm guessing you're looking forward to this game as much as I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I think it's going to be a great game. And like you said, it has pretty big uh, ramifications for the NFC South and the NFC playoff picture in general. I think uh, for me, one thing to watch is just going to be the, the Atlanta defense without Deion Jones and Keanu Neal. So yep. I think you and I were both... It was like that last week, too. Yeah, it was. It was. I, continuing on from last week, because you and I were among a lot of people who are really high in the Falcons defense coming into this year because of how they closed out last year. And they looked good against the Eagles. They held Nick Foles, who, you know, yeah. sometimes doesn't play that well. But uh, <laughs> they held him in check really well, And but then they lost those guys for the year. And then against Carolina at home, you know, they, they did win the game, and I think it was 31-24. Yep. And so that's not... A resounding great performance from the defense, and I think without those guys, I'm I'm watching to see if that Falcons defense is going to be able to be as dominant as it was at the end of last year. And then for New Orleans, I mean, I think you still got to be worried about that. Oh, 100. I mean, between look, the Bucks obviously look great, but losing at home and giving up that many points is just it's horrible. Sh- it's, it's shocking. You got to be worried about that defense. And then absolutely. And then and then almost, and really they should have lost that game to the Browns. And again, back on the the defense, like you mentioned, I mean between. Like Marcus Lattimore, Cam Jordan, they trade up for that guy at a UTSA. Marcus Davenport, Marcus, signed Patrick Robinson, yeah, just slot corner. I mean, a lot of guys who you know have a lot of talent and should be good players, and it looked like the Saints defense was good last year, but they, I mean they're falling apart at the seams. It's yeah. unbelievable how how horrific start. Yeah. yeah, and I think you have to be really concerned there. Um, and if if they don't pull that together, then I don't say you can call them a real contender in the NFC. Yeah, no, I, this is crazy because the Saints coming in like. They were a team where it's like Drew Brees is like, okay, he's old. It's like, is he a regression candidate? And, like, you know, their defense is just, like, traditionally suspect. But then you look at the roster and you're like, offensive line's good. Skill position is insane. I mean, Ingram's suspended right now. But Kamara, Alvin Kamara looks unbelievable. Michael Thomas looks like he's going to be one of the best three wide receivers in the NFL this year. And then the defense, you you ran through all the talent that they have. And it's just astonishing they've gotten off to this slow start. And, I mean... I mean, two really bad performances from them. You know, obviously the loss and then barely, barely beating the Browns. I mean, this is a huge game for them because it's not just that you don't want to fall behind in the division standings and, you know, your overall record to the Falcons. But it's like, if you lose this game, I mean, what positive performance do you have from the first three right. weeks? Where and, and again, this is a team that traditionally started slow. Last year, they started 0-2, and they got killed. But they did yeah. play the Vikings and the Patriots, who were two of the best teams in the league last year. Uh, not that we knew the Vikings were that good at the beginning. Um <laughs> But, I mean, this is pretty worrisome for them if they don't come out. And it's a tough place for them to play in Atlanta. But if they don't come out and really show us something, uh, I think there's cause for concern there. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And it's a good point they started on, too. So maybe, you know, be a little cautious in ringing the alarm bells. But I, I think you're totally right. And I think there is some concern there. Yeah, and I think the uh, the next – we've, we've kind of hit a lot of these teams already. So, um, you know, maybe this will lead down another path. But – Maybe something to wrap up on is one of the best games of the day, kind of relegated to a late slot on CBS. So it's not on, you know, Fox game of the week this week is the Cowboys at the Seahawks, which is not the game we're talking about. But the game we are talking about is the two LA teams, the Battle for LA, their first matchup uh, as, you know, both being the the local team, so to speak, in LA. Although the Chargers really don't have a fan base there. Um, Not sure the Rams have much of one either. But the LA Chargers at the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, that's a phenomenal game. I mean, that's a yeah. treat of a game to go from Saints-Falcons and, you know, the other myriad smorgasbord of 1 o'clock games into just three 4 o'clock games, one of them being Chargers-Rams, is, is awesome. So, I mean, what are you looking for in this game? I think, dare I say, the Rams for two weeks play the Raiders and the Cardinals, so a little bit to pause on there. 
But they do they do look like the dominant best team in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the logical conclusion to take away. I think you and I have discussed this. I'm a little, I have, I was a little more skeptical on the Rams coming into this year. Bunch of, it, it's some, hard to aggregate that talent and on it is success on the field. They they had a lot of guys who like have have big personalities. I I think Marcus Peters can be a little overrated. Sometimes he makes a lot of plays, but he also gambles a lot and misses and misses. And then I think Akeem Talib was getting a little older, and so I was a little more skeptical between that and also I think a lot of last year was smoke and mirrors by McVay and. They kind of snuck up on teams, but to be honest, I've been like I've been really impressed with the Rams this year. You obviously have to keep in check because they played the Raiders, on, which was on the run Monday night. To be fair, yeah. and the Cardinals, who I think I mean are those are clearly two bottom two five, seven, seven teams. Yeah, yeah. Cardinals bottom two. Cardinals then, bottom yeah two. And, and then, then the Ram- Raiders, who at you best know, bottom ten. Yeah, at best. If we're being generous to John Gruden. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, no, they, and they've taken care of business. Slower start against the Raiders, um, and then they really ran they away did. with it in the second half. I think half. there was a little cause for concern. You and I discussed this in that first half of that Raiders game. They were outplayed. They were clearly outplayed. I think they were around doubled up in yards, and they should have been down by a touchdown or more. Now, they, they took over in the second half, and their depth and their athleticism really weared on the Raiders. But And then if you look at the, against the Cardinals, like the Cardinals are obviously terrible, but they pitched a perfect game, basically. Yeah, 34-0. I yeah, mean, the game was not in doubt. They were playing without a kicker, too. I mean... Something that, you know... Yeah, they play without a kicker. Yeah. Um, and you, you can't play any better. McVay looks as sharp as always. So I think this is a huge game for them and kind of for me personally. Like, I'm really excited because this is, cl- this is far and away the best team they've played. I'm high on the Chargers. And so, it, without Bosa, it hurts. But I think playing a, a good team on basically a neutral field is going to be a really good test for the Rams. And I'm excited to see whether or not they really are this juggernaut team that everybody thought they might be and they have looked like for the first two weeks. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, the Chargers are kind of that team where a lot of talent, a lot of people thought they're going to be really good this year. I picked them on this podcast to go to the Super Bowl, um, and then you, you know, the Joey Bosa injury. They had a slew of other injuries like yeah. Jason Verrett and Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry um, back in the in like training camp or mini camp. Um, but I mean, you know, they obviously took care of business against the worst team in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills, last week. Uh, but this is a big game for them. I mean, you don't want to fall down to one and two in the standings. Obviously, you've played two of your tougher games against the Chiefs and the Rams to start off your season. Um, but, you know, you think about the the Chiefs are playing at home against San Francisco this year. Look like they'll be 3-0. and So this is a huge game for the Chargers and for the Rams, you know, trying to stake their claim as the number one team in the NFL, which, you know, if you're talking about the Vikings and the Packers who both tied last week against each other, uh, the Eagles lost, Patriots lost, you're looking at the Rams, you know, as the team from last year. Obviously, the Chiefs and Jaguars are in that mix, too. That's definitely off to the best start this year. It might be the best team in the league. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think if you're the Chargers, falling behind two games in the AFC West is really going to hurt your chances. And so, I, like you said, it's a huge game. Now, hopefully, the schedule, I think, does open up. But I think, you know, if you're the Chargers, you would expect it to beat the Chiefs in, in Week 1. And so, I, falling behind two games is a huge deal. And if you're the Chargers and... A lot of people, like you said, you and myself included, were high on them and thought they were legit contenders to win the AFC. I think if you want to be a legit contender, you have to play this game at least close. It's on a neutral field, and the Rams obviously like might be a juggernaut, but I would be really disappointed if the Chargers didn't at least keep this game relatively close. Right, I mean, the line's pretty big at seven. It's seven, but... but- they should, you know, in theory, you'd hope... If they On a neutral field, too. Yeah, well, the game's in the Coliseum, so probably more Rams fans. But yeah, Because they're, they're just like, I don't think there are any Chargers fans anywhere. That's a good point. But 
but yeah, no, this is a, a huge game for them. Uh, last thing I want to wrap wrap up on really quickly here, kind of popped into my head. Let's give a little shout out to uh, one of the other surprise 2-0 teams, Cincinnati Bengals, beating the Ravens on Thursday night. Um, you know, we talked about the issues that the Steelers are having. Uh, they play at Carolina this week. Let's do this, you know, just kind of quickly to wrap up. But that's a team probably that's worth keeping an eye on. That's a pretty good pretty good game at 1 o'clock. We have a 2-0 team at a pretty solid Carolina 1-1 team. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the Bengals? Do they have a chance to if they win this game and maybe the Steelers drop to the Bucks? Um, you know, is this a team that could run away with that division? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think this has been a dream star for the Bengals to the year with the Steelers falling apart and the Ravens and be, you know beating the Ravens. Couple good at wins, home. I, I, couple good wins. Yeah, yeah, winning out of the Colts and and beating the Ravens at home. And, and I mean, they had control of that game. The Ravens kind of fought back, but they had control of the yeah. game for most of the game. So. I think the Bengals, if you're a Bengals fan, you'd be really excited. The offensive line looks a lot better. They traded for uh, Cordy Glenn from the Bills yep. in what seems to be a highway robbery. And they drafted Billy Price out of Ohio State, who who looks good. So they shored up that offensive line. I think the defense looks fast. William Jackson is good. No Vontez Burford yet either. No Vontez Burford. I have some concerns when they cut Ioka, George Ioka, uh-huh, pronounced yeah. his name. But the defense looks really good. Um, and the weapons are staying healthy for Andy Dalton. And look... Whatever you want to say about Andy Dalton, I think he's capable of, of playing playing well enough to, to take you to the playoffs and, and be a, at least a, a pretty good team. And so if you keep those weapons healthy around on that offensive line, stays intact. And Joe Mixon looks as good, who, by the way, is out he's, for two, four weeks, yeah. but looked really good. So I think everything's clicking for the Bengals. I think this is a tough spot for them because Carolina's coming off a loss. They need um, to win. They need to win. They play pretty well at home. Bengals are coming off an emotional win. They have more time to rest. But, yeah, the Bengals look great. I think they should be really excited because the Ravens, without Jimmy Smith, usually aren't as good. He's coming back in week four. But the Ravens, I think, have some problems on offense. Flacco doesn't look as good as I thought he would be this year. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think the Bengals should be really excited for the Panthers. I'm not gonna, It's obviously not a must-win, but it's a, it's a big game for them um, to be— to try to try and be two and one instead of one and two in that in that division and in that conference. I mean, between the Packers, one of the Packers and the Vikings, that's one of the wild card spots. And then who knows with the Bears? Maybe the 49ers grab one. There's but you also have and, three teams and in that three division. Three teams alone. in that division. Yeah, I mean, so, the Buccaneers are two and zero. Yeah, yeah. Saints so four Falcons. teams in that division. So I think I mean the second wild card spot is going to be really tough to get. And so if you fall behind in that division, you could easily miss the playoffs. And I think it's it's a big game for the Panthers. The defense has looked really good. McCaffrey has looked really good, so there are some things to be uh, excited about. But yeah, it's going to be an awesome game. Do you have any thoughts? No, no, I, I think you covered it pretty well. I just think that's a relatively kind of out of nowhere exciting one o'clock game uh, uh, there, and you know, see Aaron Rodgers going to the Redskins is probably another one of the better games. I don't know if there's much for us to say there, uh, but that'll kind of wrap it up for us this week. Austin, thanks for joining us. Always like talking sports. Got some good basketball in there, and of course the uh, the NFL as we uh, look forward to Week Three. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Good to be on for the first time. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll have you back. Don't worry. All <laughs> right, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, make sure we'll be back. Make sure to listen to us next week. See you, everybody.